Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS 1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It is Monday. It is August 28th. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays. If you'd like to chime in, NFL cut day is Tuesday uh, as we'll approaching the start of games counting for real we'll get into some arizona cardinals discussion here shortly uh we'll also uh get into more around major league baseball and we'll take your calls at 11 15 602 260 1060 is the number to chime in uh as we typically do though let's reset the scene with today's poll questions and we'll start with the kdos1060.com poll question over under 11 and a half wins for the Chiefs. Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest joined us in the 1015 segment. If you missed the conversation podcast over at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app, the masses though are on the over side of things here. Pretty overwhelmingly at 73% of the vote under sitting at 27%. Yeah, I don't think we need to go through too many of the positives about the Chiefs. A couple of things that uh, obstacles that they might have here. Uh, one expected, one unexpected, or maybe both were expected to some extent. But we'll start with you know, Eric Bieniemy has moved on. He's now the offensive coordinator of Washington. How much does that change? I don't think it changes, quite frankly, a lot on a Sunday. But I'm curious, if, you know, the process. And as Matt mentioned, it's kind of like four people were part of the game plan. You know, the the Monday through Saturday process. I think that uh, how's that change things? with the enemy moving on and then obviously Chris Jones holding out which I don't think was a big surprise because you know all these tackles got paid in the offseason and he didn't uh it was a surprise to me when we talked to Matt in the last hour that he apparently is holding out for Aaron Donald money and uh, that seems to be a bit outrageous but certainly you make a case that you know he's a better player and I like Quinn and Williams a lot we've seen him on hard knocks but uh, kind of the featured attraction, at least on the defensive side, from Hard Knock so far, even more than Sauce Gardner. Uh, but uh, he, I think that Chris Jones deserves more money per year at this stage of their careers uh, because he plays the run and the pass. You know, Williams is not the greatest guy against the run. He's uh, seemingly impossible to block in pass blocking. So if you're a pass protector, uh, you, I, you know, amazingly, I actually think Williams is better, and it's hard to say that considering Jones had 15 and a half sacks last year. But I think that those are two things uh, you got to think about. Uh, and 11 and a half is a high total, uh, even with a 17-game regular season, high total for anybody. Yeah, it's amazing how the Chiefs on defense here, once Chris Jones kind of found his groove, they found a great spot for him to really attack the quarterback there, that the defense just fell into place then because of of that one key important, hey, let's put pressure on the opposing team's quarterback. I don't know why they ever moved him. 
I mean, they decided to move him around a little bit, and I don't under never understood that, and said so at the time last year. And uh, yeah, Karloftis was better as the season went on. I think they need a big season for him, no matter whether Jones is playing or not. We'll answer that question around 11.30. Still time for you to cast your vote. KDOS1060.com. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060. At hour one, we got into the Arizona Diamondbacks and their 5-1 and one homestand versus the Rangers and the Reds. So do you think the D-backs are playoff bound after their 5-1 and one homestand versus the Rangers and Reds and the masses remain on the no side of things at 57.1%? Yes, trailing at 42.9%. With the exception of the relief pitching, but I'm just going to go starting pitching here. Uh, the Diamondbacks have had few weeks this season uh, where their starting pitching was better. I mean, the Rangers have obviously slumped in every area, especially offensively of late, but still the Diamondbacks had to get, had to get those guys out, and the, the Reds' offense has been kind of a hit-or-miss proposition really since the All-Star break, but still – the Diamondbacks, you know, really one through five in their rotation, and now they've actually used five guys here that are real starters here of late because they've got people back from the injured situations. So that's good too. But it was a really good week pitching, starting pitching wise for the Diamondbacks. And we will answer that question as well around 11.30. As I mentioned, your calls, 11.15-602-260-1060. So the Arizona Cardinals, they've wrapped up preseason action with an 18-17 win over the Vikings. Most of the starters did not play. Uh, you obviously had the defense, uh, no Zayvon Collins, no Keytrell Clark. On the offensive side of the ball, you didn't basically had none of the offensive line starting. You didn't have... Uh, uh Colt McCoy starting you went with Clayton Toon and he was once again behind the second string offensive line and then you had Keontae Ingram starting at running back yeah I don't think any starters started uh, it was kind of what we were told ahead of time and I didn't see anybody out there that I considered to be a starter for them so we'll see I'm still kind of perplexed not kind of completely perplexed while well, there's this Clayton Toon talk out there all you had to do is look at the first time he dropped back to pass. That's like the most elementary read in football, whether it's high school, college, pro, whatever. How could you not see that guy? Uh, that's not even your blind side. And he got clobbered and fumbled and lost the fumble. That play alone should just in any conversation that Clayton Toon is a starting NFL quarterback right now. And this is a guy I actually liked in college and said so when they drafted him said so in early in training camp i like him but there's no way he's an nfl starting quarterback in any circumstance right now unless there's massive injuries to multiple people in the running back room here, James Conner, he's obviously running back one. Keontae Ingram, I think he's done enough there to be running back two. Uh, now the questions here are, is it going to be Corey Clement or do you try and squeeze in Amari D. Mercado to the practice squad? I don't think there's any doubt that Clement's out of here. I mean, I would be really surprised. He's played the fourth quarter of the last two preseason games. Uh, and got almost all the run last Saturday in the final preseason game. I would assume, I'm, a, well, I'm actually, I think I mentioned last, in fact, I'm sure I mentioned last Friday, I was a little surprised that he wasn't amongst the players traded last Thursday. I mean, they traded three, and I was just waiting for his name to come up. Uh, so I think he's a you know, player that can help a team. 
and there were more running back injuries around the league in the final preseason weekend. So I, I would be stunned if he were on this roster after tomorrow. And even after tomorrow, you know, they could still trade him. Uh, I, let's, let's say I would be stunned if he were still on this roster when week one actually starts. Uh, flipping this to the tight ends, uh, we have seen a lot of 12 personnel from this offensive uh, grouping here. So the questions are who uh, ends up staying, who ends up making this roster from a tight end standpoint. Also, uh, our friend Cody Benjamin of CBSSports.com, he put together players that could be traded ahead of cut down day. And obviously there's still time even after cut down day. But on that list was uh, tight end Zach Ertz. Well, that's something I've been saying for months. I mean, I wasn't, I didn't come up with this by myself. Uh, you know, a lot of the NFL people, he was actually mentioned as a possibility to be traded at the, before the draft. But that was also when he was just a few months off, what, four months off of his knee surgery. So, like, some teams have wanted to see whether he's out there and, you know, why he's, uh, you know, you're doing some things on a limited basis in practice, apparently. We haven't seen him on the field yet. So, you know, once again, there's a guy that I would be really, really surprised if he's healthy that he's on this team, at least at the trade deadline, which is usually, I don't know the exact date this year, usually the first part of October. I would be surprised if he were here at that point. I know he wants to be here and he has the, you know, the situation with his wife and she wants to be here too. But, uh, you know, at some point if you – yeah, you know, I don't think I don't think he has a note. I don't think there's anything is. You know, there's only like five people in the NFL. I'm not exaggerating here that have a no trade clause, and there's I don't think there's any chance that he's one of those guys. Uh, the other thing here from a tight end standpoint, uh, Trey McBride, he's been in and out of being available because of injuries and things this offseason here. So I wonder how much that kind of factors into him being capable of being tight end one. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know. I have any any idea how to answer that question. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens. You know, the other thing on Saturday, at least on the offensive side, that kind of caught my attention is you know they just traded Josh Jones, which I think was the right thing to do. But you know they lost two offensive linemen to injury, and it didn't look like that you know Gaines and uh, and uh, Dennis Daly were going to be playing anytime soon. Those look like not injuries that you're going to return from before the next game, which is for them in a couple more weeks because everybody has the week off this week. Everybody has a bye week basically before the regular season starts. But I would assume they needed offensive line help anyway. Uh, now they need it even more after what happened on Saturday with those guys going down. Yeah, absolutely. John Gaines, Dennis Daly, they're both left at the game with injuries. I think we do know who the starting five are going to be on the offensive line, but then it's what's going to happen after that. You know, DJ Humphreys at left tackle, Elijah Wilkinson at left guard, Froholt at center, Will Hernandez right guard, and Paris Johnson Jr. right tackle. I think we've kind of established as well with Josh Jones being traded that Kelvin Beecham is going to be moved into a swing, but then who else and how many offensive linemen are going to make this roster or, you know, the other factor here is even if you do make the initial 53 man cut down day yeah. on Tuesday that there's going to be the possibility of be, of being booted out because somebody is being claimed off of waivers well I imagine the Cardinals are going to be among the highest teams in the planet claiming players because they're, they're especially their offensive line their backup offensive linemen 
And the guys that we've seen in the uh, second half of these games, they should not be in the NFL, almost every one of them. They're bad. I thought it's been pretty interesting to hear kind of some of the national perspective on Josh Jones and that trade that they made to the Texans. Obviously, from a tackle standpoint, the Texans are sitting pretty with their offensive line, but just kind of the glowing remarks about Josh Jones and, and his capabilities, I, I thought was interesting that the national media was really talking up that trade. Yeah, obviously they haven't watched him here. I mean, they tried him everywhere. Well, they didn't try him at center, but they tried him at guard in both tackle positions, and it just didn't work out. Now, you know, the Texans did lose a starting offensive guard, I think, for the season. I'm not sure if it was officially for this season uh, during the preseason. So I would assume that kind of accelerated their interest. Uh, plus, you know, he's you – know, I'm not sure if he's from Houston, but he played at the University of Houston, so they're certainly aware of him when he was in college and really before you know, the combine when somehow between the end of the regular season and the combine he became woefully out of shape and his draft stock dropped like a round or maybe even two rounds uh before that uh, his you know people thought highly of him uh, on the defensive side of things here uh we did not get to see much of bj old uh Old jewelry because of injury this uh, this camp and this preseason. So I'm curious to see, you know, he did play in that Vikings contest, but I'm just kind of curious to see how he is going to progress now as a rookie uh, linebacker this year. In addition to that, just how who's going to make this team? We talked about it when we went through the 2020 draft class here. Is a Rashard Lawrence going to make this team? Is a Lucky Foto going to make this team? And if they both don't, then your 2020 draft class is not on this roster well i'm pretty sure that lawrence is going to make it because he was out there in the last two fourth quarters and if you're out there in the last fourth quarter if you're on the fourth quarter of the final preseason game that's probably not a good thing for your future with that particular team i'm also assuming that if he's you know cut waived however that works that some other team will pick him up because he was certainly highly thought of when he came out of lsu speaking of lsu ojalari uh, got his first camp for a game action. He was you know, basically he was a pup list guy in camp until the uh, last 10 days or so. Uh, a guy that I thought had an awful game on Saturday was Cameron Thomas, another outside linebacker. The first drive of the game, he completely whiffed on a tackle, which should have been a simple tackle on a running play. Then he was easily exploited on a pass play to a running back. And he did get a second quarter sack, but that first drive was just if it was a regular season game i would have wondered if they were just attacking him as far as part of the game plan i don't think they have that i will say the rookie defensive end dante stills uh who i'm told uh, has flashed in camp he has definitely had some really good moments during his uh you know multiple preseason time so i think that that was definitely a positive from saturday and uh, kind of just backs up what we had seen in the earlier preseason games. He looks like he can play. Uh, flipping this to the special teams side of things, you know, we were monitoring the punter situation, and it really seemed as though Matt Prater was making his kicks with uh, Matt Hawk holding for him, and he was missing his kicks with Nolan Cooney uh, holding for him. But Cooney won the punting job, and Prater in that Vikings contest missed a couple of field goals, uh, or at least missed one field goal and missed an extra point. Is that a cause of, for concern? Well, one of them was either a really bad snap or a really bad hold. I don't think they ever showed a replay. So 
couldn't exactly tell it. It was not a clean, you know, snap, hold, kick. Uh, so there's that. Um, the other thing is I'm not completely convinced that Cooney's the kicker. He had a couple of shank punts on Saturday. So I wouldn't be shocked if they went on and got another punter. Like we've been talking about, the 53-man roster cutdown day is set for tomorrow, so I'm sure more and more news will be trickling out. Some trades are still ongoing today. We'll get into more NFL on the other side of the break. There was a big trade Friday as well. Trey Lance on the move to the Dallas Cowboys. If you'd like to chime in, feel free to do so. 602-260-1060 is the number. We'll take your calls now, talk to you on the other side of the break. But the Lombardi Foundation uh, joined them for a continental breakfast buffet and mimosa bar before golfing 18 holes at the Talking Stick Golf Club on September 16th. Your golf experience will feature food, drinks, golf games, and giveaways as you enjoy a day on the golf course get your tickets today lombardifoundation.org slash lombardi dash southwest dash open lombardifoundation.org slash lombardi dash southwest dash open there's more extra point coming up next check out kdus am 1060 on 100.7 kslx hd2 that's right hd radio on 100.7 channel number two Eleven twenty-four, right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in. Let's continue with the NFL theme here. And the news from the weekend, Trey Lance, he's now a Dallas Cowboy as the Cowboys traded a fourth-round pick to San Francisco. Remember, all the way back to 2021, that the 49ers traded the number 12 overall pick in the 2021 draft, the 2022 first rounder, a 2023 first rounder, and a third rounder in 2022 to go up to number three, which they ended up selecting Trey Lance. At the time of Trey Lance coming out of the draft, the consensus was that, you know, he had good size, speed, dual threat, good arm strength, but needed some work on passing mechanics, needed improvement there. In addition to just overall a lack of playing experience, he didn't have a whole lot of starts there at North Dakota. Uh, In the NFL, he's played eight games. He is 56 of 102. 797 yards, five touchdowns, three picks, 54 carries, 235 yards, and one touchdown. I think the other thing that was uh, at the time that they drafted him, there's a lot of speculation that uh, that was a John Lynch pick and and Kyle Shanahan wasn't in, all in on this. I don't think there's any doubt about that now. In fact, there's, you know, I know that some of the NFL insider people have, may have at least, you know, thought about or mentioned uh, is there a, you know, a problem between Lynch and Shanahan now? So that's something to maybe pay attention to in the future. Uh, I owe you apology, Kayla, about uh, the Trey Lance because I thought it was kind of, uh, I'm sure I used some not positive word last week uh, to even talk about the possibility of trading him. I didn't think it was highly possible or likely, uh, but it turns out that apparently, reportedly at least, the Bills, Ravens, and Titans were certainly interested Interested about the Titans being interested because you know, I guess they don't like their two backup quarterbacks that they've drafted in the draft the last two years. 
Uh, so I don't know what's going on there. And I know that uh, you know, the Will Levis is now hurt again, so unfortunately for him. So there's that. I also found it was really strange uh, that the Vikings, for some reason, publicly made it known that they weren't interested in Trey Lance, <laughs> which would have actually seemed to make a lot of sense to me if they were because Kirk Cousins almost nobody thinks is going to be on their roster next season. Yeah, I mean, you even had our guy Matt Kohler, who joins us often from Purple Insider, you know, thinking that the Vikings were interested in Kyler Murray. Well, that's true. We mentioned that a few weeks ago for sure. So, yeah, I'm not saying that Lance is going to be the heir apparent, but if you could trade for him and get him in your system for a year and then you can figure out what to do in, in at the end of this year with Lance or your quarterback situation. Now, what do you say about this narrative that I'm hearing pretty strongly about that Trey Lance is a bust? Um, I think – it's more indicative of the 49ers trading the world to move up to get him and that he was a bit of a project and you were basing it on potential, not really a body of work to prove that, you know, he's the number three overall pick. He's our guy. So I think bust is really uh, kind of the wrong term. I think that's just a, you know, uh, kind of a shock jock <laughs> try to, uh, you know, morning talk show, you know, Twitter type of thing. I think that's really unfair uh, to Lance. Uh, I don't know if I assume at some point he's going to get an opportunity to be a quarterback somewhere. I do think it's a legitimate question, which I raised in the sports zone, whether he's ever going to be an above average quarterback in the NFL. And I think that that's, you know, I think that's fair. But I think the word bust is just totally unfair. Yeah, and I do think, you know, by all accounts, we've never heard, you know, like he's not in the playbook or he's not working right. hard on his craft. And uh, I think in general, it's it's difficult, one, when you're coming from such a small school like he did. I know Carson Wentz mm -hmm. made it popular with his success immediately to the NFL. But in general, just the speed of everything is very different from college to the NFL. Then the speed is very different from the size of North Dakota to the NFL. He didn't have a lot of starts. So there's a massive learning curve. And if you're not kind of getting those reps or, you know, if, if what's kind of being said at this point that Shanahan didn't really have that belief from the start. Maybe he's not getting the right coaching from the beginning to see where his potential can lead him. Yeah, I don't know about the coaching part, but I do think that it was interesting to me that after the Niners trade him, traded him, that you know both Lynch and Shanahan. I don't think they necessarily went out of their way, but they certainly made it publicly known that they liked him. They think he's a good dude, or yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing to the large extent here, but they they didn't have to say that after they actually traded him. That's what you. Those are the kind of things you say while you're trying to pump up his trade stock and his value and so forth. But it seemed like that they they certainly didn't hesitate at all in either case after they had actually dealt him to say good things about him. Absolutely. So we'll see how this all works out. I think for a Cowboys standpoint, obviously it's been, you know, there's been rumblings of what does this mean for, for Dak? And they've been coming out being like, this doesn't uh, mean anything for Dak. And even and it doesn't. Yeah. And even so Cooper Rush is going to be number two. So Trey Lance is going to be three. This means Will Greer's probably uh, getting cut here on Tuesday. 
Absolutely. Or trade it if fact, you can. Yeah, that's true. Good luck with that. I mean, I didn't think that guy was any good in college, quite frankly. Um, so another guy that was a college quarterback, I never thought, whoa, there's an NFL player for the future. Uh, kind of like Skylar Thompson at Kansas State. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of people seem to think that Dak's going to get a contract extension here in the next few days. Uh, so to, to restructure his contract and, and open up some cap space for other things and so forth, however that all that works. Uh, so, you know, th- th- this notion that he's a threat to Dak is complete crap. Uh, as we've been talking about it, roster cuts downs are 253 on Tuesday here. We've talked about it, that the Cardinals will likely be very active. But another self-imposed Tuesday deadline here for the Indianapolis Colts and running back Jonathan Taylor. Does he find a trade, mar- a trade partner ahead of Tuesday's self-imposed deadline? Uh, it's been reported that the Dolphins have been interested in Taylor, whether or not they're able to figure out the terms are another situation here. The Broncos have also been reportedly having interest here. The Bears supposedly had interest, but they have now, uh, Adam Schefter reported over the weekend, are no longer in the Jonathan Taylor talks. I'm a little baffled about the Broncos thing here. I thought maybe they said that they weren't interested, but I guess they are. So I'm not sure what's going on there. But, yeah, Williams looked like he looked he looks fine being the obviously awful injury at the start of last season. And they went on and got P Ryan, uh, who they paid a lot of money for, for a backup running back. So I'm a little you know, perplexed how that's going. Why, why that's actually out there. Uh, so we'll see the dolphins. I can to- totally understand. You know, they were certainly in on cook and they didn't get him. Uh, I would also say that if I'm Jonathan Taylor, I'm not exactly sure I want to go to the Dolphins right now because they've got significant offensive line issues already uh, with some more injuries over the weekend, at least one in, one additional injury during the preseason uh, or training camp. I'm not sure if it was during training camp, uh, the uh, joint practice thing, or the actual game. I doubt if it was during the game last week. But you know, their offensive line, and really the Dolphins, they're not a team in the NFL who's, uh, in my opinion of his, you know, taking a slide more than the Dolphins from the start of, say, like July until now because of the injury situation and the fact that they really haven't done much to, you know, take care of the injury situation and, you know, spruce up the running back room. My opinion of, uh, I think the team that I've had with the biggest improvement opinion so far is the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I think the line suggests that as well when I was looking at their win-loss total yesterday, sitting at 8.5, but so heavily juiced to the over. I think a lot of other people are having the similar opinion, at least seeing what we saw offensively here, suggesting that they can actually move the ball down the field. Okay, that's great. I know that they move the ball up and down the field against guys from the Falcons that are going to be cut tomorrow. So good luck with that. Uh, Speaking of running back situations over the weekend, Josh Jacobs and the Raiders agreed to a new one-year deal worth up to $12 million. It replaces the $10 million franchise tag. Uh, So Josh Jacobs and the Raiders had said they're they're not interested in trading him. So that for sure uh, was Something they said and something that came to fruition. I'm curious, though, if the Josh Jacobs deal does any sort of impact to what Taylor is trying to do. That's a good question. I have no idea. I really hadn't thought about that. Basically, Jacobs got the Barkley deal pretty much exactly the same, right? So 
as far as uh, finances, and there's a few kickers in there. If you, you know, for incentives and yards and all that, games played, I assume, will probably probably be in there too. As far as the Raiders this year, I think they're a last place team with Jacobs and a last place team without him. I don't care if he's there or not; they're not good. Uh, the rookie quarterback experiment does begin. Already announced Bryce Young to start for the Panthers, Anthony Richardson to start for the Colts, and then over the weekend, C.J. Stroud has officially been announced as the starter for the Texans. So with that here, week one, Panthers plus three and a half, Falcons minus three and a half. The Texans open up plus ten uh, with the Ravens minus ten, and the Jaguars minus four and a half with the Colts plus four and a half. I have no idea. I haven't looked at any point spreads for week one. I'll got to figure that out before week one, but I've not looked at one single point spread for week one and tried to make any kind of opinion. I have no idea who's playing for half these teams. There's going to be lots of roster moves in the last few days. There were an, an inordinate amount of uh, training camp and joint practice and preseason injuries. I saw a thing. I didn't write this down because it was on the NFL Network and I couldn't write and you know couldn't you know, I just I'm not fast enough to get my sheet of paper and my pen ready uh, and get the actual graphic, but you know they actually did like a you know kind of an unofficial comparison because te- people you know teams are not required to give out injury information during the preseason, but uh, they seem to indicate that there were far more injuries in the last month than there have been in the last few years during the training camp and preseason part of the of the calendar interesting i know there's a big sentiment though that uh you know anthony richardson should sit uh cj stroud even some some implications there that he should sit behind davis mills hadn't really heard much about that at all for bryce young no i think it's absurd that any of these guys would sit you know why they draft him first second and fourth right play him uh, the Steelers traded Kevin Dotson to the Rams, offensive lineman. He started all 17 games last year. The Rams need some help on the offensive line. The Dolphins and Christian Wilkins were unable to come to an agreement on a contract extension for them. And then uh, the Browns traded a 2025 seventh round pick to the Chargers for kicker Dustin Hopkins. We know the Browns kind of kicker woes, if you will. They drafted the guy last year, and he was terrible. So that's we, we talked about that when we previewed the Browns. I'm not good at remembering kickers' names because I just don't really care about the kickers unless they're atrocious. And this guy was. I actually should know his name, but he, he was like a fourth-round pick and was terrible last year, and he's gone already. Cade York. Cade York, that's it. Poll questions, they're next. Ready to bring KDUS AM 1060 into your home with Alexa? Hi, I'm Alexa. Download the KDUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open the KDUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. Eleven forty-one here on KDOS AM ten sixty. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM ten sixty online at KDOS ten sixty dot com and with the KDOS ten sixty app powered by Superbook Sports. We'll get to the poll questions in just one minute, but uh, confirming speculation here. 
from Adam Schefter that the Cardinals do not plan to activate quarterback Kyler Murray off of the physically unable to perform list by Tuesday's deadline. So that means he would be ineligible to be active for the first four games of the season. I think we both thought that that's probably how the season was going to start. I think I said uh, some strategical point or non-strategical point here in the last month or so. I'd be really surprised if he were playing before October. That's been not based on anything anybody's told me. It just you know seemed like that if he's not in the practice field at this point, that uh, it just seems unlikely uh, medically that he would be ready to play by then. I feel like this whole thing about him being ready to go for week one kind of came from himself saying he was trying to be ready to go for week one. So as I, I think originally when the injury happened, just looking at the time fr- time frame and the timeline, yeah. everyone kind of penciled it in of, oh, October seems to make the most sense. Yeah, I only, yeah, that, I agree with that. And I think that that's maybe just him trying to set a goal for himself too, which if that's the case, yeah, that's that's a good idea. You want to get back as fast as you can or get ready as fast as you can or, you know, be medically cleared, etc. And maybe that I would assume that uh, I've never gone through anything like that before, thank, thankfully. Uh, but I assume that just kind of helps you in your own mind, in your own, in your own rehab process. I will say as someone who had to have a medical exemption, uh, you know, you don't know how your body is going to respond. So you're going through the process, but you have to apply for an exemption. So you're basically saying, I am going to be ready by this deadline. And then, uh, you know, this is a little bit of a different circumstance here with with him. There is not a hard and fast deadline, but at some point they'd like to have you back. So for me, it was a hard and fast, like you need to be ready. And then if you're not going to be ready, then you have to prove why you're not ready in time so it kind of put this cloud of I hope this rehab process is going well enough for me to be back and and, and ready to go so it kind of changed I guess the mentality behind the whole rehab process yeah I'll just add you know, once again you've been through this I haven't I would assume mentality is a you know large percentage of this whole thing That is true. We'll get back on schedule here with the KDOS1060.com poll question and the Twitter poll question at KDOS AM1060. And we'll start with the 2023 Kansas City Chiefs win total. If you missed the conversation with Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest, you can podcast that uh, for more information on the Kansas City Chiefs. But for now, over under 11 and a half wins. I don't know if I've ever betted over 11 and a half wins, even in a, a you know, 16 game season before. I'm certainly not going to do it now. Nothing against the Chiefs, nothing against you know, Mahomes, Reed, etc. They're 64 and 18 in five years with Mahomes as the regular starting quarterback. So you can all do the math there and you know, figure out whether that's a, you know, should act accordingly or not. So for the purpose of the question, I would uh, go for the under here. Not going to bet it, but that's the purpose Purpose of the question as far as the schedule. Six primetime games, one game in London. In London. Uh, Warren Sharp, who does a lot of really good things, including one of the things that he breaks down is the rest advantages and disadvantages in scheduling. And uh, the Chiefs last year actually had a uh, rest disadvantage uh, last season. And that might be a little different this year. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, and just really quickly to repeat, they do have a five-game and six-week stretch. And if you just kind of look at the teams, you kind of go, whoa. But then if you look at the construction here, 
It starts on a Thursday night at home against Denver, so it is a short week, but the game's at home. Then they play the Chargers, but that's a, a long week after the Thursday, so they have you know full time to you know get ready for the next game. Then they play Denver again at Denver. That's always a tough thing. At least it's not early in the season. Altitude early in the season in Denver. That's been a winning proposition for the Broncos for years. Then they go to Germany and play Miami. Not as good as I thought they were going to be. By week. And then that six-week stretch ends against Philadelphia. But that game's at home on a Monday night after a bye week. So you get even a little extra time plus the Monday night. Uh, you get another day in the second week when you come back. So that's pretty good. Uh, the last two games, uh, Cincinnati at home on New Year's Eve and at the Chargers. Uh, I would assume those games might have something to do with home field advantage in the AFC. They actually have a lot of Monday night games. Uh, they have six prime time games and one game in London. That's yeah, but you would expect that, right? Because they're oh, the yeah. Super Bowl champions. Yes. I guess what I was better meaning than the, better better than the Broncos <laughs> last year. <laughs> with, with the Mondays, you know, you have this. You know, Week Eleven is going to maybe have some extra emotions here because you're facing the Eagles uh, Super Bowl yeah. rematch here, and then that becomes a short week going on the road facing a divisional opponent in the Raiders. And whatever we think of the Raiders, they seem to always play the Chiefs tough. But then Week Fifteen and Sixteen are back-to-back Monday Night games, which also includes the Raiders. And then you have a short week, but at least it's at home. Week 17 versus the Bengals. You have kind of struggled with the Bengals. But again, home is more important, I think, uh, when you're coming off of a short week. So interesting schedule. Real fast, though, you know, that Monday night thing, you know, ESPN was terrible. They got a terrible schedule last year. Remember, they tried to kind of make up for last year's garbage schedule by giving them even more attractive home, home or excuse me, a more attractive Monday night schedule this year. You never know as teams, you know, better than you think and worse than you think, but they got absolutely hosed by the schedule last year. Yeah, and, you know, the Chiefs, this is the schedule you expect for them with being the defending Super Bowl champions, but you also expect them to uh, have the talent. They didn't drop off that much, so they're still going to be uh, very formidable. They still have Patrick Mahomes. They still have Andy Reid. They still have Travis Kelsey. I think there are legitimate questions about the defense, though, and especially with Chris Jones and the absence and how will that impact the defense. Uh, How's the secondary going to perform? Form for the Chiefs. I think it has been proven that over time, Steve Spagnola is able to figure things out. So I would say maybe you can expect, as as Matt Derrick alluded to, that it's still going to be a work in progress through the first four four five, six weeks of the season, and then it kind of starts to round into form. Um, I don't like over 11 and a half wins, but I can't count out the Chiefs because they certainly have shown that they are very good uh, in the regular season. It allows them to have such home field advantage throughout here. Uh, I would just stay away from everything betting here on this, but for the purposes of answering the question, I would say under. That sounds fair. I'm with you on that. The masses, though, are more confident than we are. They are on the oversight of things at 71% of the vote, under sitting at 29%. Just some numbers here for you. Patrick Mahomes' uh, passing total, 4,650 and a half yards, over under minus 112. Travis Kelsey, over under 1,075 and a half yards, minus 112. And Isaiah Pacheco, over under 775 and a half yards on the ground, minus 112. 
Flipping this on over to Twitter, at KDOS AM 1060, do you think the Diamondbacks are playoff bound after their 5-1 and homestand versus the Rangers and the Reds? Uh, you know, certainly we saw a lot of great signs from the starting pitching. Uh, Brandon fought, pitched really well, and, and he had pitched well in a couple of previous starts, but it didn't account for a win. He finally did get that win. Zach Davies, uh, it was really important for him to have the start that he did. And then Slade Ciccone had a really nice start. So from a spit, uh, starting pitching standpoint, if they can continue that and build off of that, that really helps. The bullpen, though, remains to be a complete disaster here. It doesn't really seem to matter what direction they go in. Uh, Somebody is certainly struggling on any given night, and you can't keep blowing leads and having your offense bail you out. So that at least is a cause for concern for me. Uh, They do have three games upcoming here against the Dodgers, which is uh, in L.A. Then you have three games against the Orioles. So that tough stretch continues. But taking care of business and getting a five and one homestand versus the Rangers and the Reds, I think helps uh, and go a long way here for what the Diamondbacks are trying to accomplish. I agree with all that. I'll just add, I don't think the Rangers, obviously, they've lost a million games in a row and they're not in first place anymore. The Reds not playing particularly well since the All-Star break. I would assume that if they get in the playoffs, whether it's the Diamondbacks, the Reds, and the uh, and the Rangers, that they're going to have to play a whole lot better in the postseason to do well in the postseason. I don't think any of those teams played particularly well these last few games, even with the Diamondbacks winning five out of six. I'll just add, I completely agree. Totally, the starting pitching was really good for them all week long. I'll also add rather quickly that if they ever would get some runs early in games, maybe the bullpen would not as mat- would not matter as much late in games. Uh, the masses are on the no side of things here at 57.1% of the vote. Yes, sitting at 42.9%. That is on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. We wrap it up on the other side of the break here, but another reminder here for you, it is the 18-hole Lombardi Southwest Open on Saturday, September 16th to raise money for cancer prevention, care, and a cure. Not a golfer, that's okay. You can still join them for a fun night at the Kick Cancer's Tailgate Bash hosted poolside at the Talking Stick Resort. The night will feature music, complimentary food and drinks, raffles, and silent auction, and more. Grab your tickets for that portion of the event LombardiFoundation.org slash Lombardi-Southwest-Open. Plenty to do on September 16th regarding the Lombardi Foundation, so just visit the website LombardiFoundation.org slash Lombardi-Southwest-Open. Final segment of The Extra Point is coming up next. Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060. segment of this Monday, August 28th, right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app, powered by Superbook Sports, wrapping up the extra point. And Bob, it's thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, 
whomever and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today, a 2023 Chiefs preview, Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest, joins us. He's been with us for several years now. Also, on Tuesday at 9.15, we'll talk fantasy football draft season with the return of our fantasy football guru, John McKechnie of rotowire.com. My draft is a week from today, the, the big one that I really care too much about than I probably should, uh, but that's a week from today, so I'll be taking notes tomorrow at 9.15 when we're talking to John. Also, uh, sound today courtesy of Fox, Major League Baseball, uh, NBC, CBS, Pac-12 Network, and also 98 Rock, the Orioles flagship station. Not sure if we'll have that many Orioles highlights the rest of the season because Felix Batista looks like he's out for the rest of the year. Uh, as always, uh, special thanks to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla is going to tell us what's coming up next. I'm actually going to skip that because we have the news here official from the Arizona Cardinals that they have released quarterback Colt McCoy. So Clayton Toon is the guy? you got to be kidding. They're, 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 I understand they're tanking the season. They're really can't tanking the season now. This is absurd. Uh, Adam Schefter here is reporting that Josh Dobbs figures to be the leader to become Arizona's opening day starting quor- oh, quarterback. That's even worse. <laughs> guy's uh, been here for a week. Yeah. Uh, so not, that's, even a, not even a week. So that's so. here. Uh, official from the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, among the others released here today is Sean uh, Chandler, safety, and cornerback Nate Hairston, and quarterback Colt McCoy. So that is the latest there from the Arizona Cardinals. And Adam Schefter is reporting the part here about Josh Dobbs figuring to be the leader to become Arizona's opening day starting quarterback. So I wonder if season win totals are down to four now. I'm not kidding. It might be. I've I will look right never- now. To my recollection, there's never been a season win total in the NFL that was four or less. But maybe it's it's happened before, maybe an expansion team or something. But uh, this is an expansion team right now, even more so after McCoy will not be back. Will he catch on somewhere else or is he just going to retire? That's a great question. Um, I will answer this, though, because I do know it. Uh, the line has not moved from four and a half yet. However, on FanDuel, it has moved more heavily juiced under. Uh, so we'll see how quickly the lines do move as that news has just come out here that the Cardinals wow. have officially released quarterback Colt McCoy. That'll do it for how the... Bad, how bad can you be? <laughs> Check in and watch the Cardinals for the next four months. That'll do it for this edition of Monday's Extra Point. Have yourselves a great rest of the day, and the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp will be with you starting tomorrow at 9 a.m.